Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and uh, we're here almost at the start of the season now. So uh, I'm here as always with my co-host, Sean Lewis, and we're going to be talking through uh, a bit of an introduction into, I guess, our season preview and how all of the clubs are going to go. So, uh, Sean, how are you this fine weekend? Very well, thanks, John. Um, it's Grand Prix day, so um, the Grand Prix is on right now, and I'm, I'm taking a big hit to record this with you. Yeah, well, mate, you can suck it up. Um, there's some more important things that are coming in the Grand Prix, and I think we both agree that the AFL as a whole, uh, you'd prefer an AFL season than one day of the Grand Prix. So let's, yes, let's, focus, yes. let's focus on <laughs> uh, let's focus on the entire season. So, so what are we doing today? Um, well, we're going to be doing a season preview, and um, we're going to be looking through all the teams in alphabetical order uh, and just sort of um, seeing how we think they're going to go. I mean, do you want to take us through the way we're going to go about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously we're going to go through alphabetical order, as you just said. Um, we're going to look at what success look like, looks like for the team. So how many wins, um, what should their targets be, where I guess you as fans should be probably setting your expectations. Um, then we're probably going to give uh, a bit of a, an if statement, I think. So the example is if you get X man wins, you're going to play finals. Or if uh, you lose this many games, Games, uh, your coach is going to get sacked, or just yep. a bit of a, a, a bit of a fun kind of headline predictor, I guess. Um, we'll probably we'll give you where we think they're going to finish on the ladder at this very early stage, um, and then um, even looking forward ahead into next year, into this season's off season, um, what you should be looking for, um, what we think you're going to be targeting at the end of the year. Yep. Um, so we'll launch straight into it. I mean, the first team off the rank in alphabetical order, as always, is the Crows. Uh, now, the Crows have obviously been pretty disappointing last year after making a grand final in 2017. So they're looking to bounce back, and everything that we saw in the JLT uh, suggests that they're in a position to do that. Uh, so for them, success looks like finals. I mean, I don't think that they're putting a ceiling on it. I think that they would ideally like to be in the top few, but they'll be happy with just making finals. But uh, I think that they're in a really good position to do that this year. Yeah, absolutely. The um, for them, I believe success for them is top four. They've they've got the list. They're in the right age bracket. They've got the right experience. Remember this time last year when they were coming in, they had all these hamstring injuries. They'd gone through this whole hamstring um, strengthening program, which then um, kind of ended up becoming the hamstring injury program for them. So I mean, this year they look fit. They look firing. They've got Brad Crouch up and running, which is just a huge in. Sloan looks pretty clean and fit. Matt Crouch is in good form. Tex is back to his best. You know, like really, I think the only person properly missing from their JLT side might have been Daniel Talia, who's shaping for round one anyway. So I think for them, given the state of, of their list, which is very healthy, um, top four is is success for them. So Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. As well as, um, so probably a key signature for them this year, I'd like to see them uh, make sure that they retain Hugh Greenwood. Hugh Greenwood sort of become like a key clear player for them and he's able to in that sort of deep crows midfield play that pure clearance contested role Uh, and I think that if they can get him on another couple of years without paying too much then they've done really well 
Yeah, um, and there's probably two other players I really think they have to uh, hold on to just to maintain depth, and and one is a bit of potential. So it's it's Jake Kelly who's coming off contract this year. I know that previously uh, the Pies have had a bit of a run at him, so I'd like I'd like them to really hold on to him because he he looks like he's a pretty handy footy player. Um, and Alex Keith, he's um, he's certainly had his small breakout last year. And I really think this year is going to be his big breakout and we're going to see um, Alex Keith, could, what could have been when he was 17 years old and listed at the Gold Coast Academy before he picked cricket. So, um, yeah, they're, they're two guys I really want to see them look to retain and keep developing this year. Yeah, agreed. I think Keith looked fantastic across the off-season. Sort of offers um, a little bit more than what their other key defenders do as well that are just purely like lockdown types that yeah. don't really offer anything else. I think Keith sort of offers a bit more rebound and intercepting as well. Um, probably my if statement is um, if the Crows make top four, then they'll go all in again in 2020. So expect them to start trading. They've already had a pretty good investment in the draft this year. So I'd expect them to try to offload uh, even that early pick that they've got. So that Carlton pick, which could end up being uh, one, two or three, somewhere down that way, I think. Um I think that they might offload that and try to bring in another star, uh, potentially a star Ruckman, and try to bolster that while Sam Jacobs moves to the end of his career. Yep. Um, and my if statement is if uh, they fail to make finals this year, uh, Don Pike can kiss goodbye to his coaching career. Yeah, I think that, yeah, he'll definitely be called into question, especially if it's not just like a just missing out. If he misses out like he did last year, finishing 13th with the list and age they've got, yeah. they've really got to start asking questions. And that'll either mean he gets one year to prove himself as a rebuilder and they're going to start rebuilding straight away or they need to get in the coach that can coach right now. I don't I don't think he survives the year if they have a season like last year. I yeah. think he was given he was given a lot of chances simply because of the injuries and and injuries can buy coaches time and um, sometimes they help turn it around and that's what happened with Bucks, you know. He he got a little bit of time for being a club legend and for the injuries that he had and he was able to turn it around. Good coaches are able to turn it around. So, uh, you know, this year for Don, he's, you know, by all accounts, he's a very good coach, very good tactician. So um, I really hope that, that the Crows can turn it around for him. But I fear that if, if they miss finals, it won't just be questions. It'll be it'll be people out for blood. Yep. Um, so at latter estimate, we see them at the moment based on, I guess, what we've seen of them in the preseason and where their list is at, probably finishing up near the top, so somewhere in second. I think earlier we had them making finals, but just making finals and maybe even just sitting outside. But the preseason to date has been pretty flawless, and um, I think they're, they're looking ready to attack again. Yeah, look, I'm I'm putting them at second simply because I just think that at the moment they're injury-free. They're in a position they haven't been in for for two years, really. Like they, They're known traditionally to have very low injury rates. But they, yeah, this year they're very, very much um, injury-free, fit and firing. There's not many players on their list who, who have any niggles coming into round one apart from Talia out of their best 26 probably. So, uh, you know, maintaining that, I really can't see them... Um, I really can't see them going down unless it's some, some poor coaching, really. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I guess we're down to their key, season, uh, key task for the off-season. As much as I said, I think that if they make top four, that they might flip that pick and trade it on. What I'd really like to see them do 
is trade and get another pick in themselves. So, I mean, a good way of doing it would be to say send their based on where they are, they finish. If they finish in the top four, send their pick back to Carlton and get their pick back. So wherever that ends up being, like 17 or 18, and Carlton's future first round pick for the following year and just continue that cycle because they're going to end up getting a lot of free first round picks if they get stuck in that cycle, Carlton. Um, and Carlton are going to way more likely need a high potential player with uh, that pick can offer than they will... Uh, a late a late first round pick but Adelaide will be able to use that a bit better I think I think yeah that's probably something they need to look at but I mean for me they just need to go get Ruckman sources at the end of his career um, Ruckman don't grow on trees they usually take three or four years to develop there's a, a second year Ruckman over at Richmond uh, a South Australian boy Callum Coleman Jones um, if that's going to cost you your second round pick that you got in um, I'd be I'd be looking to offload that and um, and go pick up him because uh, I hope Source makes it through this year injury free, but I reckon he might only have one or two more left in him if he makes it through this year injury free. I mean, if he gets injured, it may be coming time to question whether he goes around again. Yeah, I reckon that they would use a if he gets injured, they'll use that mid season draft um, potentially long long term injury list him and bring someone else in because yeah. they're going to need somebody else that's ready to go. Uh, they've got Riley O'Brien but they probably need someone a bit better yep um, Next Brisbane up. yeah Brisbane so Brisbane sort of they was I think everyone was excited by them last year uh, but I really think that they just missed out on an opportunity and they could have won a lot of those games um, that they were in well 0-7 for games within two goals I think yeah. they were um, and, that, and that shows either lack of experience or lack of resilience and I guess we'll see what happens this year because they've had the experience in all of those games now to suggest that they should start turning them around um, but I guess on-field success looks like finishing in the top half of the bottom eight um, or bottom ten so really you'd want them to be finishing somewhere between eighth and probably twelfth I would give them an allowance but really um, pushing up. If they finished inside the top 10, I would call that a success. Uh, yep. So success for me is, yeah, any yeah, top 10 basically would be, that'd be a huge success. But I think um, if we break, if we break kind of the, the league up into thirds and you kind of, you do it as in, you know, you've got your, your top teams who are probably contending for the grand final in your top six, then that next six is kind of like either advancing up or sliding back down the ladder. So they're your transition clubs. And then down the bottom, you've got probably the guys that are rebuilding or looking to, to push back up. And I, and I think Brisbane needs to be firmly focused on becoming a transition club. Yeah. So that's transitioning out of that bottom six, which they were last year, and moving into the, the middle six. Um, so anywhere from, from 12th um, through to 7th is is, uh, is basically where I'm talking in, the, in terms of the ladder bracket. And I really feel that they can make a lot of inroads through that, and they're going to have a bit of a softer draw coming from that bottom six as well. Um, I guess my if then is... Uh, if they make the top eight, uh, that they will uh, trade like crazy to move up. Um, it's something that I don't want them to do, but I think that their their list sort of structure, the way they're at, the way their coaching staff is and everything, they'll want to start 
trying to really push for finals. That would be a big mistake, I think. Yeah, so, I agree. I so think that's what they might do, though. Yeah, that's what they did with Voss in, yeah. in 2009 or 2010, as we've spoken about before. Just not a smart move if that's the case. So I really hope that's not the case. Um, for me, uh, the if is... Um, we'll have a think about this. Um, if Brisbane can convert the... If, if they can go 50-50 from games within two goals... Um, they'll be in the finals hunt in round 20. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to add a third if then because I forgot to actually look at um, some of their key signatures. My third if then is that if Lewis Taylor finds himself dropped at any stage this year, that he will be traded at the end of the year. He's currently out of contract. Um and based on their current list composition, I don't see him as a key player going forward. I think he's yep. a handy player, but he's probably paid a bit more than he's worth um, based on the fact that they needed to retain him. Mm. There's a couple of Victorian clubs that I think might lure him back home at the end of this year. So um, can't see that happening. I think a key signature for them is Archie Smith, given that Stefan Martin's at the end of his career. Um, Archie Smith's retention is really important, and he's sort of come a long way. So I think that he can at least be a bridge ruckman he might not be the best ruckman straight away but you just need to have somebody that's willing to contend and and can offer a target down the field to kick to as well and I think that he can be that yep Um, for the key signatures just looking through it um, probably looking at their young guys um, Ben Keyes Connor Balladin um, Daniel McStay you know these sorts of guys you'd want them to to re-sign and, and show the faith um, obviously, Alan Christensen's out this year, so you'd, you'd be looking to re-sign him as a key signature because he's a, a game changer for them. Um, but yeah, like I think overall they've got um, looking at their list of out of contract players. When we come to review this list, I think there's going to be a few axes. Yeah, really like a few that will move on as well. Yeah, where do you have them finishing? Um, I got them finishing eleventh, uh, um, which is going to sound a bit high to a lot of people, but um, I'm a big believer in Paul Roo's, um strategy around the the percentages that you guide. Last year they finished with a percentage um, in the high eighties, I believe. They were in the nineties for a long time, and and realistically that's showing um, that they're heading in the right direction. And what we want to see from them is pretty much that um, they can convert that now. And if they convert that um, percentage that they had last year, they're going to be looking at around that eleventh um, to thirteenth area. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think that. They'll, I think they will be in the top half of the bottom eight. Um, and so I've got them sitting about 11th as well. I mean, we actually reviewed this beforehand, so we've got them sitting in 11th together. Um, and my, my key task for them for the off-season would be to uh, find find another first-round draft pick this coming off-season. If that means offloading their future first-round draft pick to get into this year, I would do it. I think that they need to go back to the draft one more time um, and just make sure that they've got enough young talent to sustain them when they are moving to the top of the ladder because one of the things that people forget is that the people that were at the, the in the best clubs, the people that are sustaining them, like when you had Geelong in that premiership era and Hawthorne, was the people that they drafted. Um, it's not the people that they traded in the people that they traded in helped them to win but you, they wouldn't have got anywhere near that if they didn't have Buddy if they didn't have Ruffy Hodge Mitchell all of these guys really made the core of that side and then they were able to top up and fix around the outsides so they still need to go back to the draft one more time so when they're in that window 
to have a couple of players that are performing better than their contract is in their third or fourth year players that are performing like sixth year players and only being paid like third year players that's going to be really important for them yeah you draft your core and you you um, improve your list in trades later on so you know the key task for the off season is realise exactly where their list is at they are a club that's in transition not a club that's that's been at that successful stage for a while so they therefore need to behave like a club that's trying to move up so like John said going and getting a first rounder obviously they've traded away um, for Dane Beams Um, so I'd like to see them go get another first rounder Uh, sorry they didn't trade away they've got one back from Collingwood for Dane Beams but I believe they traded a first rounder away for Lockie Neal so um, that kind one is likely to be probably pretty high so I'd like to see them try and get a bit lower um, back into the draft a bit earlier and and build that real young key core that they, they can and build it with Lockie Neal um, locked in place there as well. So Yep, I completely agree, mate. Um, over to Carlton. So Carlton, I mean, they've been stuck down the bottom for a while and the injuries that they've had this off-season haven't made it look much better than that. Mm-hmm. Their JLT uh, games were fairly promising, but when I was having back look back at even things like the Wizard Cup and um, the previous like NAB Cup or when it was the off-season competitions, the, the winners typically finished down the bottom just because they were trying harder at this time of year, whereas the other guys are just sort of making sure that their bodies are ready. Um, so I still think that for, for Carlton, uh, it's going to be a tough year. Um, success for them... What success? Uh, success su- is Adelaide not making finals. Yeah, and, it's and tied when your success is tied <laughs> to another club. Um, I'd say success for them is not winning the wooden spoon. Uh, I, like I, That would be a catastrophe if they won a wooden spoon. Um, and winning more than five games. I think if they could win more than five games, um, obviously they'll like, probably stay off the bottom based on the way that, that normally works. But... I think that's as much as you can really hope for. Like, you just want to see some green shoots from these young players. I'd lo- like, David Cunningham's had a fantastic uh, off-season. I'd like to see him um, have a great year if he plays 20 games. He's out of contract as well, so look to re-sign them. Probably success is almost in re-signings. Like, I'm just looking at their out-of-contract list right now, and if they could finish the year uh, with above five wins but re-sign Marchbank, Lang, uh, Cunningham, probably Kerno, Goddard if he can play some games, Silvani, uh, maybe Garlett, probably not Pickett for me. Uh, Cade Simpson can go around again. Uh, Matt Kennedy will need to sign a new contract. They need to work out their ruck scenario. They've got a couple of those guys out of contract. Nick Newman re-signed. They've got, yeah, probably key signatures the biggest thing for me. Um, what's their probably their one biggest, because they've got so many, what's their biggest key signature for you, Sean? Jeez. Um, uh, Cade Simpson going round again would probably be a good thing for them. Um, look, if Liam Jones can come back into form, he could be a signature. Um, oh, I mean... You know, Matt Cruiser, maybe, if he plays injury-free. This is the thing. Like, you're looking at the list, and I think they've got a lot of their real talent all locked away. So probably the uh, the one that – Ed Kerno getting re-signed. Yeah, and, all, the, and Dave, all these – Dave Cunningham's probably, yeah. Dave, Dave Cunningham, because all, the all these other guys are probably 30 now at least, and Kane mm. Simpson's probably 37. 
so or 35 or something like that but yeah it's getting well, a little bit hard well just back to so for me the the um kind of the if for me would be their their target for the season needs to be uh, on percentage so okay. again tying back into Paul Roo's theory um they need to be targeting um to finish the season with a percentage of 80 or okay. higher yeah. um, that's a success for them regardless of ladder position last year they had a, a percentage of 59.2 yeah um, which is you know down towards the the Melbourne depths so you know it's incremental improvement so for fans if, if you look at the end of the season and you're second or third or fourth last but your percentage is like Brisbane's was last year up in the 80s um, that's a real positive sign that you're moving in the right direction and there's a lot of things to be bullish about but um, yeah I, I just that's got to be the, the the success story for me for, for Carlton okay um, if then uh, my if um, is that if Carlton finish bottom two and if Adelaide finish top two, then Sauce won't keep his job. Um, and I think Ooh, that... That's a big one, yeah. I think that would be an important decision for them going forward. But it, it's like it's it's a lot like the Gold Coast. It's not necessarily fair. I, mean, it's like, I think that when Scott Clayton um, lost his job up there, it, it wasn't necessarily his fault what was happening. But you get to a stage where you have to... Like, there has to be heads for what's happening. Yeah. So it'll either be the coach, uh, who I think is going to be slightly more protected in this circumstance, or it'll be Soss. Um, and Soss might even fall on his own sword, given that it's his old club. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really hard one. As I said, I don't think it's necessarily fair. I just think that that's the reality. Yeah, so that's the one linked with, with, um, with Adelaide, obviously. But I, I think that if... If Carlton finish bottom two with a percentage only mildly improved on last year and, you know, only three or four wins or even five wins, I think Bolton will be in a lot of trouble. Um, and, and that's simply because, you know, he's had this list for, what, four years now? Yeah, he's had it for a few years. And, and, like, while there's green shoots and you see it in the odd game, you know, I think last year they might have knocked off Essendon or something and there were some real green shoots last year. Then there were some absolute hidings as well. Um, and, and that's just, you know, that's nature of a, of a young team. But they're not that young. If that, Like, they've got some real young blokes at the bottom end. But then they've also a team that's got the oldest player in the AFL, you know, Cruiser, uh, Murphy, you know, Casbolt still running around. Um, you know, all these guys are uh, are old. Like, they're, they're not young. Yep. So it's not like they can sit there and go, oh, we've got such a young team. Well, you haven't anymore. And Paddy Cripps is, you know, 22 now, 23. So they're, they're getting older very rapidly and they're not really moving up. Yeah. So that's why I think Bolton ha- has got to really get these guys, you know, a percentage over 80 or six or seven wins. Yeah. It's one or the other. Prefer the percentage because that's pointing in the right direction. Um, ladder gets at the moment for them is 7-8. 7-8, seven, eight. Seven, eight, second last. Yeah, second last. So it's really it's probably about where they were last year. I think they must have finished last, last year. So we want them to be off the bottom um, just based on the fact that the Suns uh, had so many outs from their senior list last year and mm. a lot of young players coming in. But really, we, we hope that they perform a bit better than that. 
Yeah, I do. I, I do hope that Carlton can perform better than that. Um, but I think the reality is, given the injury history and the struggled pre-season, um, I think they might start off with a bit of a bang. I reckon they'll, you know, have a few honourable losses and maybe even pinch one. Yep. Uh, but as that season goes on, I just don't. I don't think that they're going to be able to um, weather the storm. Okay. Um, and the key task for the off season for me is. Uh, List clean out. Yeah, good call. It's just, it's probably time. Like, I know that there's always been a lot of changes. Like, there's been a lot of changes because there's been a lot of new people coming in. But it's time to not go, we've got this many picks, we need to open this many list spots. It's time to go, who realistically is going to be here when we win a flag? Uh, other than the experienced guys, of course, I'm not like Cade Simpsons and stuff like that, sort of get a walk. Um, to next year, they're good enough anyway. But these other guys just need to clear clear them out. Yeah, it's time for time to get rid of these old battle scars that haven't worked, and time to get at that new beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I know they've been pretty heavy handed with the list the last few years, but there's still a lot on there that you know is just not up to scratch for them. And and it's time to wear a few on the chin and and just make the call and move on. Yeah, it's just, it's that sunk cost. Um, thing like you've got to got to understand where that it's you've, doesn't matter how many years you've spent into them or what draft pick you spent on them you can't get that back now so what's the best course of action going forward and probably in our opinion at the moment it's to take the axe to that list yep next up your boys Collingwood can they go one better yeah I mean they can um, but whether they will is a completely different question they've got a much harder draw this year is that what success is though one better is that what is that what nah. the ultimate success has to be? Well, that's what the ultimate success or has to be that, for every single. Is club. that what is that what the success that maybe won't define Buckley, but given where the age is in your list, is this the year? No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think that success looks like uh, probably finals, uh, and I'd say that they would be obviously aiming for top four. But it's pretty similar to where that's I said that's a loose success. Finals coming off the back of a grand final appearance. No, nah. you can't. You cannot just be saying finals. Yes, I can. Success. No, I can because I mean I think the same thing with Richmond. Like, Preliminary finals. No, I, I think that finals is a good <sighs> is a good measure because I think that the where the list is at, where the age profile is that everything like that. I think that if they came back, they didn't win, but they made finals this year, anywhere in the finals list, that next year it would be top four and that would be a minimum. But they're in a different list position to where, you'd say, your Tigers and your Crows and stuff like that are. They still have a lot of young players coming through. They've got players coming back from injury this year. So your Elliots and stuff like that that I really want to see integrate into the side properly. And, I, you know, top four. If I say, look, top four is uh, what real success would look like. But I'm saying that uh, probably finals. Because, I mean, I think the same thing with West Coast. Just because they won a flag last year doesn't mean that I think that success looks like a second flag. I think that's ultimately the most successful you can be. Here's the thing with you guys. Like, your, your list, where it's at, is that your midfield, your starting midfield, is all around about 30 years old. Yeah? No. I'd say that we have one player in our starting midfield that's around 30 years old. The rest is Taylor Adams, Adam Trelaw. So Taylor Adams guys. is going to start yeah, in midfield and... over Beams, over Pendlebury. So Beams and Pendlebury. Side bottom starts on a wing. Yeah, side bottom on a wing. He's almost 30. So you've got Phillips. He's in the early 20s. 
Adams, mid twenties, and Trelaw, mid twenties. I think that I think that their window is the next two years. So I think that success so is take, so take out. So what I'm saying is for you guys to win a flag, take out Pendlebury, side bottom, and Beams. Okay. You, Are we going to go into this many semantics when we no, no. D's as well? Well, we can. If you take out those three, given that especially like Pendles probably a couple of two years, you reckon? And then and then side bottom maybe three or four, and then Beams is probably only two or three. If you if you say in two years' time when they're all gone, say they they're all moved transitioning out, you're telling me that you'll be still in the spots challenge for finals with the list you've got. You're for yep. a grant for a for a premiership yep. with the list you've got. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I don't think that success for any club should be defined. I don't have success for any of these 18 clubs as success only looks like a premiership. I think that every single... Yeah, that's fine. But it's that's that's what everyone's chasing. But like I guess what I'm saying is last year, you, your list is in a great spot. You've made a grand final. And I, and I know it's yeah. one month of football to make a grand final. Yep. And, and to win a grand final is, you know, one month of football as well. And... But I'm saying your club, given the list position, and I think you're in a better list position than the Eagles, um, why why isn't it defined as a grand final or a preliminary final? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. And, and as I said, like I'm trying to concede, maybe top four or top six is, is where I sort of put it. But I, I think that we're probably closer to what um, the Western Bulldogs were than we are to what the Crows were uh, or the Swans were, where most of our list is, I still think, under 26 from when we reviewed it last year. It's just that we have a couple of players towards the top end of their career, which I reckon... But, but there are a couple of key players. That's they, the difference. No, it's the same thing with those other clubs. See, I, I, I think that with we saw what happened when we overestimated how well the Dogs were going to go after they won their flag. They missed finals. And I think that if the Dogs had made finals that year and everyone was saying they've got to capitalise on this premiership year, I would have said... Uh, looking back, it was pretty still. That was still successful based on the team that they had. I still reckon that Collingwood's list isn't as deep as some of the others. So, I think that I think the finals is a fair estimate. But let's just say top four, so that we can agree on something. <laughs> That's all right. No, I'm, for me, I think success has to be a preliminary final. That that like you're a team that has a great list position. Um, I think you found a lot of depth last year with your injuries. And making a grand final, I think, defines, you know, making a preliminary final. So you could finish outside the top four, but you've got to win through the preliminary final. I see that as success for you guys because realistically that's where your list is at and that's what you should be aiming for. Yeah, okay. Um, If statement. If statement. I'd say um, if... What are we going to go if? If the Pies miss finals, uh, then the torch will be firmly back on uh, on Buckley and a couple of senior players in the team. I know that Buckley's just re-signed, uh, but I think that's probably premature. And I, I know that you want to keep these people. Like He was on, he only had a short contract, but it's, it's not going to look good if he bounces straight back out of finals after a grand final. So... Yeah, um, I always worry for coaches when they get that sort of turbulence. I would say Eddie would have to look out. Yeah, probably. So yeah, say, you're right. I'll probably I'll probably say Bucks is safe because he signed a new contract and he did so well last year. I reckon he's probably bought himself a season. Yeah, you're um, right. 
But I reckon if they miss finals, I reckon um, Eddie will have the uh, the gangs of Collingwood out for him. Yeah. So, fine, I'll change mine to um, some of these players that we didn't cover and then what success looks like. Um, we'll move on. So that's Goldsack and Reed, uh, both who are out of contract. If Collingwood miss finals, I'd say that they're not going to get another contract. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the same with Levi Greenwood, probably. And Daniel Wells. Yeah, um, I'd say all these guys. Yeah, look, I think with um with you you kind of looking at your players out of contract, and as you said, you've got some young players. If you're there and thereabouts, um, you know you're going to re-sign the guys we just spoke of. But the key re-signing out of these guys has to be Taylor Adams. Um, and after that, you probably oh, who are we looking at? Braden Sires played reasonably well, done enough. Um, Ben Crocker. Jamie Elliott's probably going to be one of the most interesting players this year, given his, you know, uh, terrible injury history, Mm. but uh, immense talent. So he's a restricted free agent, and I could see other clubs lining up to offer him a pretty decent pay packet, given how talented he is. And But given his injury history, I think Collingwood would probably won't be offering him the top end of his talent worth. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if, if North don't get one of these other big signing midfielders from GWS or something, it wouldn't surprise me to see them come after him, given how well they've done with Sean Higgins, um, who had a pretty similar checkered history before coming to the Dogs, I mean, before coming to North. Um, and I think it potentially would be a good home. Uh, so our latter estimate is that the Pies finished third. Yep. Um, and I think that's where they should be really gunning for as well, is that top four position, but it's going to be harder this year without the softer draw. Um, and key task for the off-season. Uh, oh, key task for the off-season. Get draft picks. Yeah, I reckon get some second-round draft picks because we don't have a first-round draft pick this year. I would say that if we can uh, either offload a future second-round draft pick, depending on how many picks we're allowed to trade, we might be too far in debt um, and need to carry one. Uh, but I would be trying to get maybe two second-round draft picks because... I'd say that we've just been out of the early section of the draft for a while, and I know that we had academy players come through, but just a couple of players where we can let the list management team uh, fill some gaps, uh, find some talent that has slipped through. Yep, yep. Um, probably one I'd like them to look at is um, your backup ruck. I think, obviously, you've got Max Lynch, who's three years on the list and seems to be developing okay. Um, I'd like to see them probably look at a, a maybe a bit more of a mature age backup for, for Brody Grundy, considering how key he is to your side. So maybe, you know, aiming to draft the best VFL or the best Sandful Ruckman or something like that, um, that would probably be my um, key task for the off-season. Cool. Hey, your favourite, Essendon, mate. Oh, don't, don't, don't give that to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with Essendon. Uh, there's some decisions that I didn't necessarily agree with, and since then, I think that I've come and said, you know, I might have been a little bit harsh considering I know that the the list management team might not have had a full stake in that or necessarily um, equal bargaining power. It's pretty similar to when uh, Gold Coast sent pick two uh, for Lockie Weller. I just don't think that it was in a far a fair bargaining ground. Um, Freo had the like they knew that he was wanting to leave, and they knew that Gold Coast had effectively announced they were going to get him, so they just lost all of their bargaining power. I think that's sort of what happened to Essendon. But I mean, for Essendon, success looks like finals, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. I mean, if they don't make finals. Um 
yeah, I reckon all this off-season planning and stuff has uh, been a bit of a, a waste. Um, that said, it's it's kind of interesting with them because. I don't think they're ready for finals at this stage. I think that uh, given all the changes last year with um, Stringer and those guys coming in, um, Saad and, and, and um, uh, Devin Smith, when they came in, um, they really changed the shape of the team. And I know we saw um, Essendon really pick up in the back half of the season. They played a lot better. But now you've gone and you've introduced another key cog in, in Dylan Shield, who's going to come in and, again, he's going to change the way those guys in the middle play. I think it's a good addition for the long term, and I think it's going to help them in the long term. But I think it's just going to take a, few, a little while for everyone to adjust and looking at the JLT we saw it we saw that they just weren't quite there gelling and their lack of a real premium Ruckman is really telling um Bell Chambers is a good service, serviceable ruckman. Um, unfortunately for him, I think the injuries have um, diminished his ability, and that he's not—he's not quite what he was. And for that, it means that the gap between—you've obviously got your best ruckman in the AFL, probably in your three Gs in, in Gorn, Grundy, and, and Goldie. And then there's a bit of a gap, and then you've got probably your next batch, which, you know, is probably your Source Jacobs in form, and, and this sort, and Stefan Martin, and, and all that. And we've set Nick, Nick Natanui aside from this group because he's obviously out injured. And I think Bell Chambers actually falls into the, the, the lower category, the next category down, which is still a starting 18 ruck, but maybe just, you know, just a serviceable ruck more than anything. So um, I really really kind of am a bit worried about how this season's going to pan out for them. Um, if then, um, if they don't make the eight, then Wusha loses his job. And that's like a high bar, but Wusha sort of came in as like a steady hand. He's an experienced coach, so he doesn't have like the new coach factor, like they have to learn how to play with the team and everything. He knows what he's doing and he's had opportunities to trade picks for players and the pressure's really on them to make finals now. I mean, maybe if they have a lot of injuries or something like that or they show signs then he might keep it, but really it's got to, he's got to make finals. Okay, mine is if Essendon make finals, they will match Richmond the following year for membership. Yeah. I think I genuinely think that if the Dons get a bit of good news, the uh, the beast will awaken. Sleeping giant, yeah, yeah, a bit like the Richmond after the flag. Um, they just kind of all emerge, and I mean, when you're offering dogs and and um, one game memberships, I mean, you can inflate your numbers pretty easily. Or what was Adelaide's trick? The the email members, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, um, kind of key signatures looking through. Um, Jumping straight off the page, Aaron Francis, I reckon you've got to re-sign him. Now he's got his head right and everything. He just looks absolute dynamite down back. Darcy Parrish as well. I'd like to see them um, retain the investment in him. He's... he's um, I mean, he had a down year two years ago, and but he's looking a lot better last year, and I think he'll be um, continue to improve. Um, apart from that, probably... 
it's not a hell of a lot there that I. It's a, there's a lot of depth besides yeah. that. Like there are a lot of players that you can maybe see. Patrick Ambrose. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I could see a lot mm. of these guys coming in and playing a role, and a lot of them have, but none of them are necessary. Like all of them could not be on the list, and they could still have their best twenty-two. I mean, really, yeah. Francis is their best twenty-two. Parish, Parish uh, plays. M- McDonald, Tiff, and Woody is definitely oh, best yeah. twenty-two. Sorry. Missed him. Um, I don't see Parrish's best twenty-two. I know we see this di- we see this differently, so he's not a key signature for me. Um, and I think that they would be fine with moving him on um, and just bringing in a draft pick. But uh, there are a lot of players there that are depth, so they might get a lot of list spot if Essendon are contending. Uh, they make finals, then a lot of these guys will get re-signed because I'll need to keep them on. But if they don't, um, it might be a bit brutal. Yep. Um, where do we see him finishing? Ninth. Yeah, just outside. But look, I mean, it's probably worth noting, I think we've said this before, um, pretty much from 7th for us right down to... 13th. 13th even, yeah. Yeah. You can throw a blanket over them and and raffle up the spots. Um, I just think that, yeah, like the Dons will certainly be in the mix for me um, for finals, but um, I think they might become uh, the new ninthman. The ninth dance. S and ninth. Yeah. Well, I I think that yeah, that's that's where we've got them sitting at the moment. But as you said, they could finish really anywhere. Um, They could finish up to the top four. But I think that they need a lot to go right for them to happen. Uh, Whereas I think that in twelve months' time, they'll be a lot better place to be playing finals. I don't I don't really see them finishing probably below um, maybe eleventh or twelfth. Like uh, I just I think that they're they're going to have enough games that they'll win that they'll probably be pushing towards the eight for most of the season. Yeah, cool. Um, Fremantle. Fremantle. So we have one more thing, which is the key um, key task for the off-season. Key task for the off-season for me is uh, probably bringing in a uh, a free agent. I think that their their list is at a spot uh, where just another senior player... Um, I mean, we've talked about him just in the last one, but Jamie Elliott um, free up uh, Devin Smith to move back into the midfield a bit more. Um, someone, someone of that sort of nature, uh, just to come in and sort of steady the ship and provide another best twenty-two body would be really good. Yep, um, and mine is sign a ruckman. So there are two guys, uh, Shane Jones and Sean Darcy, who are waving at you, and um, get one of them because uh, you need, I think now with the change in the ruck rules, uh, good ruckmen, good, tall, strong ruckmen are worth their weight in gold. Yeah. So, okay, next up, we're down to Fremantle. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hippo. What does success look like? Success for me for Freo looks like uh, getting out of that bottom six. So that's that's basically the same as Brisbane. Yeah. I see them both uh, very similarly. Um, obviously, they've had a huge off-season picking up uh, Lobb, uh, Hogan, losing Neil, um, drafting... Um, oh, who'd they get? The... Sam Sturt. Yep, Sam Sturt in there. Um, they've got a really good young midfield. The Unfortunately, uh, Blakey's going to be out for a little while, but Mundy will step in and fill that role. Losing Lockie Neal isn't easy, but I still think that, you know, you've got Fife. Sandy's going around again. As we've said, they've got a lot of ruck depth, so there's a lot of strength there. 
Um, having Lobb and Hogan up forward just straightens them up a lot. Um, and Matty Tabernard will probably play that third tall and maybe he can be, get a bit dangerous down there in that third tall role. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to like about Frio, but with the mass change, I just don't um, I don't think they're going to be able to get it all to click this year. But success for me is just finishing above um, pretty much 13th. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'd love to see some games go into Griffin Logue. Uh, if you can remain injury-free, I know that he um, might have touched up his hamstring a little in the JLT, but getting some more games into him, into Darcy Tucker, hopefully Connor Blakey in the back half of the year into that midfield, just so that they're 2020. Uh, we sort of know what their midfield is going to look like at the moment. It's a bit turbulent. So um, just fixing up that and trying to get out of that bottom six would be great. Um just looking at their list, some of their key signings, uh, I think there's going to be a, a big year for um, Cam McCarthy and Harley Bennell. It, like, really, it's about time to make a decision on those guys. So if Bennell isn't playing above five games this year or he does another calf and he's out for another 12 weeks, I think you've just got to cut your loss. Um, yeah, and it's just time to free up that list spot, free up that cash and the time that you're investing in him and invest in someone else because... Even if he pays off, it's you've already lost on that and it's just time to cut the loss. Um, no need to go big on him anymore. Uh, and Cam McCarthy as well. Didn't pay a whole lot for him. I mean, really, it was just a change in draft pick order uh, rather than in any actual points. So time, and, they, and they were being asked for two first-round picks originally. The year before, exactly, which they held off on, which was the right thing to do. So it's just time to make a call on him. If he's going to play AFL, then he'll play most games this year. If yeah. he's not, if he's playing five games, then it's probably time to move him on. Well, I think him and Tabner are fighting for their careers. So Tabner is, I think, injured at the moment, so McCarthy will probably get the jump on him. Yeah, so, I reckon Tabner's probably slightly ahead as well, just with raw ability. Um, oh, I think McCarthy's probably more talented, but I think that um, Tabner has probably um, uh, he's probably worked a lot harder um, last year especially because I think he was on a one year deal last year yeah, he's got a couple of years maybe he signed a two year deal yeah. now so I think he worked his backside off to, to get his new deal um, yeah. but I think in, and that's probably why he's just jumped a little bit but I mean for me on their list uh, probably the key signings are, are Connor Blakely um, Mundy probably again Ed, Ed Langdon they have to re-sign as the as same with Griffin Logue um, uh, Rory ooh. Why is Rory Lobb on there? Yeah, no, right. I'm not sure if that's right. It might be, but I don't think that he's out of contract this year. He might have just yeah. signed a one-year, though. And they've got Scott Jones there as well, who I think, um, you know, if, if he's not trade bait, he'll be re-signed. And Stephen Hill, injury-free, would be nice. But, yeah, so they've got a few actually out-of-contract out of, out of contract players who, who they have to re-sign. So that's, you know, that'll be the work of, of um, the new list manager, Mark McAuliffe, over there and, and Peter Bell and that team. So um, what's the if statement? Um, if Frio are 0-3... Ross Lyon will end up uh, sacked by the end of the year. If they start 0-3, their first three games are against the depleted North Melbourne, then Gold Coast and St Kilda. Um, two of those games at home. And if they can't manage a win out of those, they then have to face uh, West Coast, the Giants, the Crows, Crows. Richmond, Essendon, Ooh. all in the next uh, month and a half. And I reckon that they're going to be in real trouble. Um, so they need to win at least one of those games, if not two. So just looking at that, I reckon if they go into their buy uh, with less than with less than th- four wins, 
um, given they've got a couple against teams they should be challenging as well there. So that's the... Yeah. They've got Brisbane in there and some others. If they go in with less than four wins, I think Ross is, uh, is probably... Um, over for them. Indeed, yeah, yeah. So definitely, uh, he between him and Bolton, I think they're both under a lot of pressure. So yeah, I think it's yeah, it's one of those years. You're right. It's they are about around that same sort of mark where they have to start being measured on performance based on all of their off-season uh, acquisitions, but it might take a little bit of time for them to come together too. So Ross is really under a bit of pressure there. Yep. Um, as far as ladder estimate goes, I think we've got them sitting at 14th at the moment, so that's fifth from the bottom, pretty similar to where they finished this year. Um but I think it's hard for them to want a big improvement given that their midfield has really thinned out because of the Neil's going going and the fact that Blakey's been or Blakely's been injured. So um, it'll be a bit of a wait and see. But I mean that they they've got to be hoping for that top part of the um, the bottom eight, as you said. Yeah, um, I just think for them, the the biggest sign of improvement is going to be, again, I'll talk about percentage because that's what improving teams have to focus on. Um, and I think that they've, they've turned their list around reasonably well. Um, but this is where they have to now focus on, yeah, improving the percentages and and getting better. Last year was 75%, so this year they'd be looking for about 90% um, as their kind of successful stretch. And um, finishing, having them finish 14th, I, I think that's an achievable to, to get about 90%. Um, but they, yeah, they just really need to, especially improving their attacking potential. The big question I really do have about them is going to be, I don't think I've ever seen a Ross Lyon team have this much firepower up forward. And I don't think I've ever seen a Ross Lyon team know how to use firepower. So it's really going to be interesting to see how Ross's game plan, if he continues on the way he has previously, is going to work in terms of improving their scoring. Because that's, you know, I think last year they were pretty dour in defence, but they were just terrible in scoring. So, you know, you want to see them... um, you know, the likes of Hogan and Lobb and that kicking bags. So, yeah, their midfield's going to have to really take advantage um, of these new rules. But hopefully, mm. they've, they've got the rucks that can potentially help them. Exactly. Um, but they have to use that. So, But again, 14th, I think, is more than fair for them. Yep. Um, key task for the off-season. I mean, it's just to do what they did last year. They just need to get some more picks. Uh, so that probably means sliding in the first round to try to pick up a third and a fourth-round pick. Uh, and there'll be a couple of clubs that would be happy to do that. So thinking of any club that's going to finish really inside of the top six um, that is happy to move up in the order. So potentially someone like an Ed Eagles or something like that might be happy. To, I know they're typically not happy to negotiate with Frio. Yeah. Uh, but a, a team like that sending a pick, say, in the uh, teens, so like a 16 or something like that, a 16 or something like that um, to, for the five that Freeman will have and also giving them two later picks um, just to make sure that they have enough because for too many years now they've been trading ahead um, to, to maintain their draft position. Yep, they had an excellent off-season this year um, and I think what Brisbane, who's a very similar team to them, has shown when you, when you follow a strict strategy around regenerating through the draft, and obviously Brisbane had a few academies in there as well, but regenerating through the draft with a real focus on their midfielders and that sort of thing, um, I would say that that's the real strategy that they have to follow. 
Um, so this off-season, I want to see them maintain an investment in the draft. You've gone out and spent big last year. You've picked up Lobb, you've picked up Hogan, the, and you've lost Neil. But this year, the focus has to be, all right, who's going to be the support for Fife as he transitions into the later part of his career? Um, Blakey, you know, Blakely and, and these guys, who's going to who's going to build this midfield for when Monday retires and that sort of thing? And they've got it like they picked up a wonderful half-forward flanker in, in Sturt last year um, who I think is going to offer a lot of alternative to them through a wing and on the half-forward flank, but he's not their grunt side of their midfield, which is what they really need to be focusing on for this year. You're right, mate. Who's up next? Got Geelong. So, um, I guess for the Cats, after uh, bringing back Gaz um, and all the trades they made last year and um, obviously Danger and Selwood and everything starting to get towards the... Uh, get, get a bit long in the tooth, I guess you'd say. Um, really, for them, success is top four. Um, they have to be contending for the flag this year. I, I really don't think they've... I think they've got this year, maybe next year. Oh, maybe. Do, maybe. I, I'm not, I, do, I have no confidence in that. Um, but, yeah, this year is kind of the, the turning point for me um, where they may look to to dip and rebuild um, so success has to be top four yep um, I'm, I'm the same I think success is top four um, for them as you said based on age profile and just experience and I think that it's achievable I don't think that they will achieve it uh, but I think that it's achievable um, and I think that they really need to look at um, the middle of their list and start sorting it out because um, they've unfortunately been clogged for a little while with all of these um, big acquisitions so Tim Kelly is obviously a key signature for them um, if they can retain him that'll be great um, I still think it's going to clog them even further though given the amount of money they must be paying um, some mm. of these guys um, and it Potentially the signature of someone like Tim Kelly might come at the expense of someone like uh, Scott Selwood, um, the Kai Cockatoo, these type of players that have probably been on reasonable contracts, not huge contracts, but reasonable, um, and not playing games. Um, and Scott Selwood's further injury is not going to help his case. Yeah, I think Nakai Cockatoo is probably not got a big market anyway, so he'll probably re-sign on a, on a lower contract. Um, I, I look and see Jake Kolejajny as a, as a signing for them. They need to focus on as well. Like Tim Kelly's probably the number one, um, but I, I look at him and I see someone they need to focus on. Uh, Lockie Henderson. I mean, I know he's had his injury troubles, but he's a class player when he's up and going. I know he's probably a bit older, but um, they don't really have a lot coming through that can replace him. So I see him as a, as a key at least for the next three years. So maybe signing him up to a two plus one with a performance or something like that will will go. Yeah. Um, and if they think they're there and thereabouts, so maybe if they make the, the semis or the prelims this year and just fall a bit short, Gary Ablett might get another year um, out of that. But looking at a lot of these other guys, um, it's just really going to uh, come down to where they fall on the ladder. So yep. where, where do we have them? Have them sitting seventh at the moment, which is sort of a annoying area to finish for a team like Geelong because it doesn't give you enough confidence that everything's going right, but it gives you enough confidence that you could probably make finals again the next year if you re-signed all of these guys, which is probably true. Um, but unfortunately, it's not going to give them much clarity on what they should do. So uh, seventh is where we've got them sitting, but really they've got to be 
pushing out one of the Pies or Ds or Tigers out of that top four. Yeah, yeah. Or Crows, of course. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Um, and like we said, seventh to about 13th, you can throw a blanket over them and and figure out the rest, basically. they, The Cats, injury-free, uh, are probably pushing top four. Um, the Cats with injuries are probably, you know, fighting for a position in the eight, and that's realistically where they're at. Um, the if statement for me is if the, the Cats miss finals, um, they will make the controversial call and push Gary Ablett into retirement. Okay. Um if then, uh, for me, is if Tim Kelly finishes top three in the best and fairest, they will get two first-round draft picks for him. Uh, they might have to give something back, uh, but they'll get two. They'll get two really early picks for him um, in so, the offseason. I don't think that he's going to stay. Yeah. So you're, you're, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he'll stay. Um, and I like almost see that as a key task for the offseason as well. I think that if they don't sign him by the off-season, like as in if he's not re-signed by the middle of the year or start of finals or something like that, then they should prepare to start reaming the West Australian clubs to give him up because I don't think uh, a late first-round draft pick from West Coast is going to do it. I think that they're going to need either first-round draft pick this year, first-round draft pick next year and something from West Coast or first round draft pick from Fremantle which would be about pick five plus maybe like a future second to get the deal done and if they're getting that kind of offer they have to take it and yeah. and just deal with the fact that it, it means that you might not be as ready for the following year but you need early draft picks they need to start regenerating the leadership core of this club which mm. typically come from some of your earlier picks yeah, so Kelly said that he wants to go to West Coast and not Fremantle. So I, I don't – and to be honest, you know, I know we all get frustrated at players picking clubs, but it's fine. It's, it is the industry that it is at the moment. Um, and until they work out a way to do it differently, um, that's what we've got. Um, but I think that also actually gives Geelong the power in this negotiation because um, – because the other West Australian clubs excluded um, and Tim Kelly's out of contract, they can put Tim Kelly in the position. Say, I'd get in Freo involved, but say Freo come in and say, yeah, we'll offer the, the pick five and, you know, a second rounder or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would be – they would see, be sitting there going to Tim going, well, the best offer's from Fremantle. Here it is on the table. We want to take it. Um and if you won't sign for them, then you can sit out a year. And at 25, 26 years old, I don't think he's going to be open to sitting out a year at all. Well, if he's... Um, and I think yeah. I, I don't think he'll end up being traded to Freeman. I think that's just going to be a, a, a manoeuvre to get the maximum price out of West Coast because he, if he finishes top three in their best and fairest and polls over 10 votes in the Brownlow, which he can do both yep. very easily, um, we're probably looking at he's going to cost them uh, either a, a top five pick in a second rounder or two picks between, say, pick eight and pick 16. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I mean, is, is, that, is that the rule? So if he's... He's out of contract this year. Yep. So if he doesn't sign a contract, does he have to wait a year before he can re-nominate for the yes. draft? He doesn't just automatically walk through to the draft. Um, I'm trying to work out what happened with Luke Ball because Luke Ball didn't get traded, but I don't know if he then got delisted by St Kilda 
or if he just was able to... No, so when your contract expires... No, you can... Yeah, so you can nominate back through the draft. Yeah. Or you have to sit out a year to be able yeah. to go to the club of your choice. Yeah, you're right. Because I think if West Coast are just offering their first round draft pick and just saying, listen, it's going to be 15 or nothing, um, we're, like he's out of contract, you don't have the power, then I think Geelong would just say, that's fine. We're going to risk that he doesn't get traded. When the period finishes, we're going to try to re-sign him. I, I would try those last-ditch attempts and say, if well, you if you enter the draft, Frio is going to take yeah, you with an earlier and pick. That's, and that's the thing. So that's, you know, with Luke Ball getting to Collingwood, that was the whole thing. Melbourne kept saying they were keen mm. and and we could pay the money. Yeah. But, but what ended up happening was Luke Ball literally had a... Or Luke Ball's manager or whatever literally went out to every club and said... He will not play for anyone who picks him other than Collingwood. Yeah. So, and that was very firm that he wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a potentially Kelly could try something like that, but I don't think it's going to get to that point. I think it's just going to be um, what the overall value is out of West Coast. And it might just be, you know, a pick 15 this year and a next yeah, year's first round. Uh, and maybe they get Kelly and a, and a second rounder back, but Tim Kelly is better than pick 15 this year anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that they should be happy with something like that. And really, Geelong probably could just ask for a player that's potentially um, out of contract and, and has some value to them. They need some younger players as well. So um, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, we'll have to wait until this time at the end of the year, of course. Um, uh, so on to the Gold Coast. Um, Gold Coast, are, uh, they unfortunately suffered some losses last year, both on the field and off. Um, and it's the pressure's pretty off the administration at the moment. Um, they've, they've been given the time to invest in youth, um, to not necessarily worry only about performances, but making sure they stop the bleeding as far as players leaving um, and start drafting the future of this club. And I think that they're well on the way to doing that. Um, success for them... Uh, Success for them, I reckon, looks like re-signings. It doesn't even look like a positional ladder because realistically, if they finish above 18th, they've done well. Mm. But potentially not the best thing for their future. I mean, really, potentially the best thing for their future is finishing 18th and getting Rao, um, given that Rao's probably the the closest thing to it. He's probably like a more accomplished Clayton Oliver as far as what his um, play style and um, record to date looks like. And if you could get a player that plays like that, that's the exact kind of player that Gold Coast need. It's that player that plays like that. So for me, it's just retention. Yeah, I think it's wins. So um, again, percentage improvement um, is important in this case, but for the Suns as an organisation, uh, wins are actually more valuable than they are to a club like Carlton who who are, you know, an old club. And it sounds a bit kind of weird saying, you know, for the, the percentage is kind of everything. And I still think percentage is a key indicator and, and it's really important. But for the Suns, for the AFL, for the fans and everything, um, a couple of wins for these young guys. Um, a bit like, say, Melbourne's kind of 2014, where we got four wins. Um you know, just enough of singing the song over the year and feeling like we're in the right path is going to be huge benefit for marketing up there for their improvement as well as the general feeling around the club. Um, 
you know, helping that retention of players. It's got a few on-flow effects. So, um, you know, I guess them targeting very early on, maybe, you know, six games they think they can win this year. And, and if they can win three or four of them, I think that's that's a successful year and I don't really care what ladder position they are. Okay. Um, you know, and, and maybe a percentage of, say, uh, 65 to 70%. Yeah. Which is an improvement on last year, which was 60. So yeah. that's kind of what, what I look for in, in terms of success for them. Um, looking at the key re-signings, though... Um, Jack Martin's got to stand off the page for, like, is yeah. at least the most talented player on that list. Um, and Nick, set- Nick Holman. Nick Holman, I think, is an important player for them. Sam Day. Pierce Hanley. It, it'd be like... Rory a, Thompson. Yeah, so they've got like... A, yeah, Tom Nichols, uh, even though he's potentially doesn't really have a spot with wits there, I think his depth is important. Some of these guys at the top, like Hikalam Archie, uh, Braden Crosley, um, Sexton, he's a free agent as well. He's, the amount of goals he kicked last year probably shows that he's going to have some interest. I think that if they can re-sign all of these guys, then it'll be like a job well done because they just need some stability on that list. If they have to lose one of them, um, I'm fine with it being the most talented of them all in Jack Martin because I think that it means that they'll get a first-round draft pick back and I don't think that he's unfortunately lived up to his super talent um, no, that, that everyone thought that he was going to be. Well, he was taken ahead of Jesse Hogan. Yeah. So when you actually sit back and think about that and you go, what Hogan's overcome to still have such a, an amazing AFL career. And yep. Jack Martin's had injuries, but I wouldn't say he's had to overcome what Hogan's had to overcome. No, you're completely right. I think and, that Martin, um, Martin either needs to become good enough, like... Uh, he needs to be like Lewis Jetta, um, who's got like a role in pretty much any AFL club based on the fact that he can run, he can kick the ball a very long way, and he uses it right at the right times. Jack Martin needs to be doing that for 22 games this year mm-hmm. uh, and and to re-sign for less than probably what he can make back in Victoria for it to be a successful signing. Otherwise, I'm happy for him to go to Essendon for their first-round draft because I think that's a win-win. But I think Essendon mm-hmm. would be happy with it. I think Gold Coast... I think a first-round draft pick actually will mean more to them. Oh, yeah. I it's hard. I would prefer them to re-sign him. He's, he's you know, like at his best and he's showing it to us. You know, he's a, a half-forward flank who can kick four goals in a game and turn it, turn it on his head. Um, you know, he looks at times last year like the only one stemming the tide. Um, maybe along with Took Miller and a couple of others, but yeah, um, yeah, he, 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 played, he played some midfield this preseason as well, which I liked. Yeah, uh, potentially if he, yeah, potentially if maybe he can just become like a stretch midfielder, like a Brad Hill. Uh, yeah, Brad Hill, um, Isaac Smith, even yeah. like it can go can go into some center clearances and win them, but can also carry the ball and damage away from the stoppage. You don't have to be a thirty possession a game winner, but if you can get up to around that seventeen to twenty three possessions a game um, well, if they got the ball into if they got the ball to his hands 23 times a game yeah their forward line would look so much more dynamic because he's yeah, a you're right. beautiful user of the ball yeah you're right it's, yeah it's similar to what Hawthorne do with Smith where they yeah. work so hard to get him free and then they let their inside feed it out to him if they can get um, Took Miller and these kind of guys Anthony Miles scooping it out to him and letting him make the decisions then they'll be a better side for it you're right yeah um, um, if then if um, um, I reckon if Pierce Hanley plays more than 15 games, uh, he'll get a two-year deal to stay with them. I know he's getting a little bit on, but I think that 
His injuries have potentially kept his body fresh. He didn't start as an 18-year-old, um, and he offers some leadership, um, being the leadership group there. And um, I think that, yeah, he just needs to show something this year to get that spot. Yep. Um, I think if, if Gold Coast uh, finish where we think they're going to finish, they will um, invest heavily in the draft again, and I think they'll be very active at the trade table. Um, so I... I I see them, yeah, I guess the if is, if they can't um, pull themselves out of the, the bottom of the ladder, um, I'm expecting them to heavily trade players and resource to get high draft picks. Okay. Um, ladder estimates 18th, so there's, yeah, there's, no, there's not much expectation on them as far as a wins perspective comes, but you would hope that they can potentially um, win a couple and get ahead of um, like a Carlton or one of these other clubs down the bottom, but um, it doesn't look super likely. Um, and as you said, key task for the off-season. For me, it's just invest in the draft again. Um, they've been investing in the draft for a long time, but if they can do what we said they do during the year is in retention, and retain as many players as they possibly can, then going to the draft is fine because you haven't lost your position in that seventh, eighth year players that are moving on. Um, but yeah, that's sort of where I see them. Yep. Um, I think, yeah, the off season for them has to be about um, doing what they did last year. I think they, you know, they did all right last year. I mean, they're, you know, losing the players they lost is never going to result in a successful um, off season. But at the same time, they made the best of a bad situation, um, and I'd like to see them, you know, have that same positivity and same energy towards turning turning the list um, into a challenger. Given that it's still got immense talent available to it, so yep, um, that's that's definitely the key task. Um, moving on to GWS, yeah, GWS. So I mean, GWS have been unfortunate. Um, they've been around the mark for a while, and as I say, unfortunate because they were unfortunately the victims of the Western Bulldogs when they went on to win their flag. Um, they had some injuries across the way that we feel like probably without those injuries that they might have won or at least been in a grand final since then. Um, and they lost a lot of players in the offseason due to poor uh, contract structures and obviously the effects of um, injuries over like a couple of years where they had to double dip to, to cover those injuries. Um, but they're in a position now where they've cleared a bit of debt. Um, they still might have a little bit of trouble over the next 12 months given that they've got a few free agents, but they are looking like they're back in a position to challenge again. Yep. Um, and for me, success for them looks like... Um, top five I'm going to give them a, a a little bit extra rope than the other clubs but I still think that they need probably top six we'll give them a home final um, going into that going into that last month in yep. September um, I'm saying it's preliminary finals I'm going to say it for a lot of clubs in the top six because I think the top six is we've got it written down there um, is they should all be aiming for preliminary finals. And and I know only four can get in there, but that means for two of the teams, it's unsuccessful. Um, and that's okay. That's that's just what it is. Um, yeah, top four for success. Uh, they, I guess in terms of key signatures, there are two absolutely huge signatures here that stand out um, in Josh Kelly and Stephen Coniglio. Uh, of the two, I think Coniglio is probably a more key signing, and I might get shot down here on Twitter for this. Um, but since he's come back, uh, Gold Coast midfield and Josh Kelly in that midfield 
play better. Yeah, Giants midfield. Sorry. Podcast. But yes. Yeah, Giants. Other expansion club. Um, I'm still in the last one. Um, but yeah, sorry, GWS. So they they play so much better with him there because he's... Uh, it's a bit like when they kind of lost Trelaw. I think that Caniglio was always the person to take that role. Yeah. Um, and now Shield going, I think Caniglio is just going to take that next step this season. Um, and Josh Kelly is a super class player and he's so good to watch and he's absolutely the, the cream on top for them. Um, and he is a, a hugely talented player, but next to Caniglio, he may he he's a lot better, and and that's why like it's a bit like um it's a bit like St Kilda's old midfield when you had you know Ball and Del Santo, you put Hayes in there and they were that much better. It's a, for me, it's the same as if you if you look back at Geelong even four years ago, maybe when they first got Danger, if you had to choose between Selwood and Dangerfield in that Geelong team, you would choose Selwood because you need leaders, you need people that uh, everyone can get behind, you need mm. people that lift everyone with you and my danger field is like Josh Kelly as in an immense talent and a very brilliant player, potentially going to win a Brownlow medal they're not that same type of player that brings everybody up with them, they yeah. might drag them along but they don't push them up um, and Caniglio is one of those players, the other thing with Caniglio is that he's a restricted free agent I was going to get to this. so you can lose him for nothing uh, or lose him for a compensation pick which might be 15 or 16 whereas if you lose Josh Kelly you're going to get two first round draft picks uh, you're going to try to really bend over the team that's giving you um, giving you these picks back and really yep. take him to the cleaners uh, and he's going to probably demand the high priced contract too so you're actually better to lose the better player or in my opinion the better player in this circumstance they have some other signings which I'd like to see them make um, guys oh, like yeah. guys like Tomlinson yeah. um, Delidio Himmelberg Heath, Heath, uh, Heath Shaw Hopper. Um, Hopper is an interesting one um, Bunting uh that's probably the, the key ones for me. Um, they really need a lot of players to, to re-sign and be on this journey for them to actually fulfill their destiny and win a flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those two are the two bigger ones. Yeah, I think just touching on the Canigrio one, um, you know, we spoke about Fremantle just before. They need that midfield improvement. Um, they need something around Fife. If they were to say, uh, fin- think finish, you know, anywhere above where we've got them finishing, I could see them having a very big crack at Caniglio. Um, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at him because he's the sort of player that, with Fife and with the forward they've got, can really um, elevate. So um, they, as a team, with him. As we said, he lifts the players around him, so therefore they would naturally improve um, with him in their side um, and improve a hell of a lot. So I would see very easily um, that Freeman will have a fairly big crack at Caniglio. As well as that, you know, if if um, Geelong play too much hardball with Tim Kelly. You know, there's an option there for West Coast. Yeah, exactly. Both of those West Australian teams will be right in the frame, if, if, if not um, some of the bigger clubs like your Carlton's um, down home that are going to have some cash and are looking for a free agent to start leading them. So. Yeah, but I guess we've seen typically a lot of free agents will return home. Yeah, so. yeah, you're right. They're, they're a better place. Fremantle is certainly a better place. So, um, so what's the if statement here? If they don't make the eight, people will start... Um, saying that Leon Cameron is under pressure for the following year. 
it'll be a, it'll start being a make or break for him. So far, he hasn't shown them just being able to take them to the promised land, and he's been given a lot. Um, we've seen that Gold Coast. Um, obviously, they didn't make finals, but when they didn't make finals, they lost coaches. They've they've had a lot of higher coach turnover. Mm. If Cameron um, isn't the one to take them there, I think they'll, they'll start asking some questions. I actually don't think it's fi- I don't think it's finishing outside the eight. I think if they don't make a a plumery final this year, I reckon he will he will come under some serious scrutiny. I know last year um, he came under a little bit of pressure towards the end of the year, um, but yeah, I really do think that the it's going to come down to um, them making a preliminary final as the only real way to show progress. Okay. Um, the latter estimate for them at the moment is sitting sixth. Um, and, I mean, really, obviously, I can see them sitting anywhere between first um, and probably eighth. I can't see them finishing outside of finals. But yeah. if they do, it's yeah, it's going to be a really interesting off-season. I think that we'll see some blood uh, both from their... Uh, their administration as well as their list. I think that there's a couple of players out of contract that they could take the axe to and start you to re- clean up. You reckon their major sponsor would uh, would get a bit angry at that? <laughs> the AFL? <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, we've got them sitting sixth and, you know, I don't see them finishing much lower than that personally. I think, you know, even through injuries last year, they just showed how talented they are and um, could easily finish top four. So, um, yeah, they're one of the six, I think, can really win the flag. Yep, so do I. Um, Key task for the off-season, if they haven't re-signed Kelly during the year, it's to turn Kelly into three draft picks inside 25, um, being that two early picks and potentially an early second-round pick as well from a club. Um, the other one for me would be to get another first-round draft pick again. They've been really good at doing that, and I think that if they can just continually invest in the draft, even if they don't win why you've got Delidio and why you've got Heath Shaw and stuff, they will eventually get there. Yep. Um, key off-season for me is just re-signing Kelly and Caniglio. I, I don't really... Um, in terms of their draft picks, they've always got a strong hand because when they when they trade players, they're generally trading upper echelon players like Shield. So I think they're always going to have a really good draft hand. Yeah, but, they've got two draft picks. I forgot about that because yeah. they've got one. But I, I just think for them, the key is Caniglio and Kelly. And, you know, if it means they have to lose a Tomlinson or a Himmelberg or something like that, um, so be it. Because what, those... Just, just sorry, I've just thought of... Yeah, you're right. Um, sorry, I've just actually thought about a scenario because I was talking about with the very first club we spoke about. We were up to the night, the club we've spoken about now. Yeah. Um, if Carlton finish bottom or second bottom and Adelaide have a top two pick, then they've got a trade partner in the Giants. Um, yeah, they do. The Giants could use that early draft pick again if they're going to lose um, somebody. Um, and if they don't make finals, then they will. Uh, and they'll be able to send those picks, those two first round picks up, as well as potentially a second, future second, um, and try to get that early pick from Adelaide, which I think would be the right thing for them to do. Yep, Absolutely. Um, so we might finish up there so we've covered the first nine teams and we are going to cover the following nine teams hopefully we'll get to them um, before the season starts on a Thursday night they're sort of making us we will yeah we will get to them we'll we'll make sure that we get it all done but uh, we do thank you again for tuning in and uh, hopefully we'll get to your club if you're not in these first nine um, in the next couple of days so thanks again for sticking with us and uh, look forward to chatting with you soon thanks yeah. for coming again Sean yeah no problems mate thank you for everyone listening and um, it's nice to be back onto the list stuff and, and I'm looking forward to the uh, to the next few weeks it's going to be great